Our sermon text today comes from Hebrews. Here, once again, uh, the epistle to the Hebrews. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith our ancestors received approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he set out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed for a time in the land he had been promised, as in a foreign land, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with, the same, of, with him of the same promise. For he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith he received power of procreation even though he was too old, and Sarah herself was barren, because he considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore from one person, and this one as good as dead, descendants were born, as many as the stars of heaven and as innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. All these died in faith without having received the promises But from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on earth. For people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they had left behind, they would have an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, he has prepared a city for them. It's truly a blessing to be with you all here today, our members, our return visitors, and all of our first-time visitors. This has been quite a weekend, and we are very grateful to have so many people in this space uh, on this Sunday morning giving thanks to God. Uh, For those who are visiting for the first time, and you maybe you haven't been to church in a while, or perhaps you're looking for a faith community, Salem welcomes you, and we hope you know that scripture teaches us all that God loves you very much. If you have not heard that in a while, I'm very thankful to be bringing you that news. Now, I often get asked the question, what do Lutherans believe? What makes the Lutherans different from, say, the Roman Catholics or other churches? And I want you to notice I'm using the word different, not the word better. For there is no one perfect denomination We all make up the unified church, the body of Christ. Well, perhaps all of us except for Westboro Baptist, but that's another sermon for another day. So for Lutherans, there are some differences from Roman Catholics. Pastors can marry and have kids. I am, and I do, and you've already heard Kewen. Women can be ordained. Uh, We don't have as many sacraments. Um, But we're also different from a lot of other traditions. Yet, those are fine points. Lutherans have a reputation for not offending, and I personally do not want to cast offense on the faith-based backgrounds of many of you. I'm sure plenty of you in the room did not begin Lutheran. God is good, and there are many ways to express the goodness of God. But, I will lift up just one primary difference between our tradition and many others. Lutherans believe that God justifies us by grace through faith. It means that nothing we can do on this earth, 
no amount of good deeds, no amount of donations, no amount of kind words, nothing we can do can earn or merit the forgiveness and love of God. But because of what Jesus has done for us, we have the forgiveness of sins and we have the promise of eternal life. We are justified, uh, therefore, before God. And we understand this because of faith. Hebrews, which is the second lesson we read from today, is a very interesting text. As I said earlier, uh, we don't know who wrote it, and we only have a very vague sense as to why. The audience is a group of Jewish people who believe that Jesus is the Messiah, but they're not sure of how to follow him while keeping the Jewish customs. Hebrews is a dense book, and I'll be honest, it can be a very boring book. Um, but we read here today one of the great passages in Scripture. You have it in your, in your bulletin inserts. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Truly, I don't think there is a better text that explains faith in the entire Bible than this one passage. And I'm very excited to talk about it with you all today. Now, there are two ways to look at this text, and they kind of work hand in hand. What it meant for the audience then, and what it means for us now. So, usually we ask our kids to pretend, but let's pretend for a moment that you are a Jewish person in first century Israel. You're kind of chilling, you're living your life, you're doing whatever first century Jewish people do. And you're trying not to upset the Romans more than anything. And then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, you decide to start following this Jesus guy who was crucified, who many say has raised from the dead. Now, if you're a Jewish person, your history is vital to you. The Jews had returned from exile about 400 years ago, and in that time, most of what we know to be the Old Testament had just been written. And these were stories, like the one we read in Genesis today, they're passed down from your ancestors generation to generation. So if Jesus is your Messiah, if you're going to follow him, you have to find some way to connect him to those stories. That is very, very important. The writer of Hebrews does that for you. Using faith, the belief in things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen, the writer shows how the Jewish history from their starting patriarch Abraham all the way down to today is connected to them. Abraham is an old man by the time he became a father with his wife Sarah, and he was promised a great nation would come from their marriage. He only lived long enough to see his son Isaac, but he had faith that God would deliver on God's promise. And that is exactly what God did. God created from Abraham the Jewish people. And you, your pretend first century Jewish people, you, in this example that I've laid out, you are an inheritor of that promise, a child of Father Abraham. God is calling you now to have faith in Jesus as the Messiah. So, this is really good stuff if you're a first century Jew, but now getting back to things, you're not. At least I'm assuming none of you are. No, okay. Uh, you're 21st century Americans. So what does this text mean to you? It means that you can have faith in a God who keeps God's promises. Not secular promises, mind you. Not a big house, a nice car, good health. I wish 
I could preach on those promises. If I was able to sell you those things from the pulpit, my life would be a lot easier. But that's not what God is about. God is not about what makes us happy. God is about what makes us alive and what makes us unique. God is about the beauty and wonder with which God created each and every single one of you and your kids. God is about the forgiveness of our sins, and God is about the promise of life to come. Now, as I joked with the kids, I'm assuming that God did not wake your kids up this morning. You still had to hit the alarm, you still had to deal with them running, screaming, jumping in bed, whatever. Uh, You had to do all of that on your own. And I am assuming that, unlike Abraham, God did not talk to you personally about what was promised to you. So how do we understand the promises that God has made to us through the death and resurrection of Jesus? The answer is the same way our sisters and brothers who are first century Jews understood it. Faith. The belief in things hoped for, the promise of things not yet seen. We walk by faith and not by sight in these times because that is how we know and experience God. Now, Faith is not something we can always articulate, and faith waxes and wanes on good days and bad days. Jesus teaches his followers that their faith is the size of a mustard seed, and I am assuming ours is not much bigger. You'll never get to a plateau one day where you become one with faith or where you have enough faith. There is no such thing as too much faith, and if we're speaking with a spirit of deep honesty, All people struggle with their faith, including me. But faith is what we have, and it is a blessing that we grow closer to God, not because our actions make us good, but because our faith makes us strong. Faith is a reminder that God is working through us, and through faith, we have confidence in the forgiveness of our sins, the resurrection of the dead, and the promise of life eternal. Faith doesn't make life easier. There are always going to be challenges. But faith helps us understand God and God's love, which is there for us during those tough times, is there for us during the happy times, and it is always making us new. Wherever you depart to today, I pray that you live in the faith that God has blessed you with. In times that are hard, many of you have the courage to trust in the belief of things hoped for and the promise of things not yet seen. And I pray that the God of Father Abraham, the God of the resurrected Jesus, the God who created you, be with you and bless you always. And may you always have the faith to share in that blessing. Amen. I invite you to please rise as you are able.